So a priest, a minister, and a rabbi walk into a bar. Once upon a time, have you heard the one about Knock, knock. I give you any... Well, who's there? Actually, well, we got one. All right. All of these intros, I give you the first couple words, and you already know what kind of genre we're about to enter into. You know whether you're supposed to laugh? You know whether you're supposed to sit back and relax and listen to a story unfold? The, in, the intro words... Tell us so much about what's about to follow. There's no second chance to make a first impression. I've heard people tell me they go in a bookstore or read the opening line and decide whether or not they want to read or buy the book. Some words become so familiar to us, all we need is just the opening words of the story. And we already have a, a tone set. We can already get taken back in history to a particular place. Four score and seven years ago, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Commentator on John, Ben Witherington III, says that in the opening verse of the Gospel of John, contains within it not only the thesis and synopsis of everything that is about to follow, but all of the theology of the gospel itself packed into an opening verse. We're going to do something a little bit different in chapel this year, and we're just simply going to walk through the gospel of John, not just for one semester, but for two. We'll get into the passion narrative and the farewell discourse as we enter into the season of Lent and various other voices from around campus will join mine as we unpack this unique gospel story. Where else would we start than right here? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness is not overcoming. In the beginning... In these three little words, as John kicks off his gospel, he's telling us that I'm not just telling you a fairy tale, and I'm not telling you a fable, and we're not entering into something just simply poetic, even though the opening verses are often interpreted as an early Christological hymn of the first Christians. But he's telling us what I'm about to tell you is the history of histories. What I'm about to tell you is the genesis of all things. The start of the story that is the archetypal story under which every other story is derived. This is the beginning of everything. Now on top of all of this, the Hebrew audience would have heard these words even differently and more significantly than you and I hear them at the beginning of the Gospel of John. 
You see, all the Hebrews in the Old Testament times named all of their books after the opening words. So for them, the book of Genesis wasn't called the book of Genesis. It was called In the Beginning. And so when John starts off his gospel like this, he's speaking so loudly to a Jewish audience who would have been hearing him say, I'm taking you all the way back to that. As significant as that beginning is to the Torah, to the foundation of all of your faith, I'm taking you back there. And we're going to round the staircase spiraling over the room, look down at it one more time, and I'm going to show you from a different vantage point now that same beginning. As significant as that origin story was, so is the one that I'm about to tell you. And just as you would know a story that starts with once upon a time, you know a story that starts within the beginning. And I want to take you there. To the God of creation there at the start. Before the beginning of time, no point of reference. In the beginning. So John goes all the way back and says, in the beginning. And he's about to tell us the origin of all things, and not only in the cosmic way, but in a personal way. So what I want you to hear is not just the beginning of the creation of the earth, and not just the beginning of a gospel story, but this is also where you find your beginning. And where I find mine. We stand at another beginning today, with an appropriate time to come back to these words. Not that the beginning of 2018-2019 school year at Dort College is as significant as the creation of the world or the gospel of John. But the God who created that origin is also the God who governs this one. And if there's any part of you that's longing for a new beginning... Inside of this story, we find our place in that opportunity ourselves. Is there not a part of your heart right now that longs for a new beginning? For a reset? Is there a part of you that you're leaving behind when you drove away to come here? Is there a part of you that wishes you could leave something you've done in the past behind, but it keeps haunting you? Is there a part of you that has sins that has its claws deeply in you and you're trying to shake it off and it just doesn't seem to disappear? The one who offers new beginnings is an invitation to start over again. And what John wants us to see is that when Jesus shows up on the scene, everything has the opportunity to be reset. When Jesus shows up on the scene, the new kingdom begins to get ushered in and the future breaks into the present. And the kingdom of God is now and it is not yet. And an opportunity to taste the fruits of heaven begin to enter into our lives in small ways because Jesus begins to unravel what that looks like. It's why by the time we already get to the second chapter, there's this picture of an overabundance of wine in John's gospel because all the intertestamental literature between the closing of the book of Malachi and now have been talking about that when the kingdom of God comes, everything's going to be in abundance. And wine is often the metaphor that's used for that. And by the time we get to chapter 3, even the teacher of teachers in Israel, Nicodemus himself, steals away at night to know if he's actually figured out the story at all. And Jesus tells him, you think you have this figured out. You've got the entire Old Testament memorized, but 
I want you to know that you, what you need is to actually be born all over again. We need to start all the way back at the beginning. And I want to give you and provide you the opportunity to do that. Jesus paints this picture throughout this gospel as John tells us the story of the abundance of life that he wants for us. And he sets up in such clear contrasting polarities the darkness and the light. And invites us to make a choice of welcoming one into our lives. He invites us into a pursuit of total surrender. Is there anything in you that longs for a new start? A new beginning? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we've talked the way about already about the way a Hebrew ear would have heard this text. Let's talk about the way a Greek would have heard this text. Already in the 5th century BC, Heraclitus starts talking about this notion of the word as the ordering principle underneath of all things. The logos, the word, the philosophers start pondering on this. And by the time Jesus arrives on the scene, this popular stoicism has this idea already that there's something inside of us that knows that there's some underlying principle or organizing factor behind all things. It's like the truer version of the reality that you experience. And what we see and experience and walk through is merely a shadow, uh, a mere reflection of that. And they call that underlying principle the word. It's this abstract reality. So in the opening verses, in the same way that Paul in the Areopagus speech talks about this unknown God, this thing that you guys all inherently know is there's something more, let me tell you all about it. In the beginning was the organizing principle of all things. And that organizing principle of all things was with God. And it was God. He starts off in the first one, and everybody would have been like, okay, yeah, we're all on board. In the beginning was the Word. Yep, something's got to start and originate all of this. And then he gets to this, and the Word was with God. And the preposition here, pros, gets translated word with, but it's not just with. It's not with as in, like, in close proximity to or alongside of. It, it, it's a with that has a, an orientation towards. The, the Son, Jesus, the Word, has an orientation toward the Father. And when He's going to come and join us and be enfleshed among us, He's going to come behind us and He's going to create an orientation within us towards the Father as well. And you'll see this throughout the Gospel. Jesus is so enamored with the Father. This is one of the most Trinitarian books, I would argue the most Trinitarian book in all of Scripture. As the Holy Spirit... And the Father and the Son start rolling over top of one another. We get this picture here in creation that God's love exploded and gave birth to you. In this incredible world. It can only make sense to any one of us when we look through the end of a microscope to see the hand of God putting these things together. For its origin and its meaning and its purpose and its end, its telos is all found in Him. And you can't really make sense of all of it without that. And so the question is asked of us, are we too, along with the Son, oriented toward God? Every single aspect of our thoughts, of our longings, of our deepest desires, everything that you want, your ambitions for a year that lies in front of you. John's going to use these words almost interchangeably at times. The Father and the Son 
reconciling for us a misinterpretation in modern Christianity that happens all the time, that God is some, the Father is some pedantic, distant character who's not happy with you, and Jesus is the appeasement offering that somehow makes him happy. Jesus shows us the character of the Father and says that we are the same. The Logos, the Word. This abstract becomes personable. I can only imagine what every Greek word reader would have done when they hit verse 14 and then the word actually becomes flesh. That which was by its very definition, it had to be immaterial because the, this physical world is broken. It has to be something so distant now invades this space and moves into it. But my favorite thing about the incarnation isn't simply that it happened, but that it's still happening. And in every one of those little moments in your life, there's a connection point as Jesus says, I want that too. And I want that. And I want that secret. And I want that sin that you've never let go of yet. And I want that hope that you've got pinned on your own ambitions and your own dreams and your own illusions of control. I want that one too. And he starts picking them all apart in our life one by one. Christians like to come up with fancy words for things, so we call it sanctification. It's Jesus just saying, I want all of you. And you won't be who I created you to be unless you exchange your arrogance for abandon. Unless you give up your control and allow me to dream better for you than you know how to dream for yourself. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. There isn't anything apart from this. Carl Brunner once said it like this, there's no such thing even as a godless person because he's too near to every one of us. Even the person who says I don't believe in God has taken a breath sustained by God given to him in order to utter those words. Our journey into a life in Christ is an awakening to the fact that he is all around us and, and wants to be working through us and wants every part of it. That are more and more of our waking moments are a movement, an orientation toward the life of, in the Father that Jesus invites us into. That's the call. That's the invite. Nothing in your aspirations will make sense without this. For you too were created through him. And without him you can do nothing. Without him no one can do anything. Which also means, according to Ben Witherington, if nothing was made without him, nothing is saved without him. Can you name something in your life you want to change? When you look in the mirror and you wake up in the morning, do you see a flaw that you wish wasn't there? An aspect of your character that you're hoping maturation takes you beyond at some point in time. You see, if everything is made in him and through him, then nothing can be saved without him. He is our only hope for change and transformation. And that orientation towards the Father is an orientation and an invitation into life and light. It's why the polarities, the, the binary between light and darkness is made so clear. It's by the time we get to, to chapter 10... Jesus is saying in the Gospel of John, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you would have life and have it in abundance. Did you know that that's Jesus' heart for you? Life in abundance. 
The devil will tell us again and again that a further surrender into the hands and the arms of God and into his love is somehow going to be a paler version of life. And the Gospel of John tells us it's just simply a bald-faced lie. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Maybe as you learned this passage growing up, you learned um, a separate translation of that last word. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not. Sometimes it's translated overcome it, sometimes it's translated understood it. I listen to all different scholars banter back and forth on how we're supposed to interpret that. I think John actually intended a double entendre here. How can you overcome what you don't understand, or understand what you can't overcome? But Jesus does both. Jesus does what we cannot. He invites you to a richer understanding, and he invites you into an overcoming, neither of which you can accomplish on your own. Dort College, this is the foundation we start on. Nothing we are going to do in the coming days will make sense unless we start here. This is our solid ground. This is what we build everything upon. Will you join me in a prayer of petition as we ask God to help us do that as we start a new year? Will you pray with me? Father God, the goodness of your love is a mystery to us. The invitation into life with you and what that could all mean is beyond our imaginations. And so, Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. Help us to lean further into you and to understand what it means to be oriented toward you, to be with you, to understand witness, so we can exercise our witness. Father, collectively now, as a body, as a community, we lay this year before you. And we say, we will not go without you. To whom else shall we turn? You alone hold the words of eternal life. Receive the offering of our lives on this altar at the start of another new year. In Jesus' name.